Hey, what's up? It's the Den Road Show, episode 77. Uh, it's Bill here hanging out. And I'm recording on a Monday, which is not what I usually do. I usually record the week prior and then, you know, get the whole thing rolling that way. But um, things snowball and you know how it is. Uh, I got problems. I got problems. I'm sure you could tell by the <laughs> fact that I do a solo podcast or I just sort of talk. But I got problems. And sometimes I talk about those problems in a segment I like to call... So, uh, a, a little while ago, I guess it was, I guess it was January. Um, I went to the eye doctor and because I, I realized, you know, I was getting older. Sometimes I had to like, you know, squint and strain to, to see things at a distance. And, uh, somebody shows something on their phone and I have to ask them to like, oh, I can't see, you know, bring the phone close, you know, you know how it is. Or maybe you don't, maybe you got perfect eyesight. I don't know how, you know. And then I also have the, um, I don't know what the technical termism for them is, but um, the little uh, little eye floaters, those things you get in your eyes. And I've always had them, and uh, I, I kind of noticed that they were getting worse, and they were kind of like right at the center of my vision, you know? And so I was like, oh, that that might be an issue. So I went to the eye doctor, and uh, I got a prescription. And it's not a very strong prescription, but I got a prescription. So I got glasses now. And uh, I haven't worn glasses since I was like six. So it's, it's been a very long time. Uh, but these glasses have been nothing but trouble. They've been, <laughs> they've been nothing but trouble for me. <laughs> so it's just, it's just the act of wearing the glasses and then like adjusting to life now that I wear the glasses. And so I, I bought a pair, I got a pair online, do the whole thing with a prescription. You got to pick them out the whole thing. Uh, they didn't really fit. Like I could wear them. They didn't really fit though. And I managed to scratch the, the one lens somehow within the first few days. And so that was driving me nuts. The fact that I had a scratch and I was like, is this a scratch or is this a glare like in the lens? Am I just seeing things? I'm like overanalyzing every little thing about the glasses. Is this a scratch? And it turns out it was. But it's it's so it was so small that like if I take the glasses off, I couldn't see it. But whenever I have them on my face and see out of the glasses, it's very prominent. And it was right again in the center of my vision. So I had to exchange the glasses, which was very weird because uh, the place the, the place I ordered online was like, yeah, you know, 30 days, you know, fully whatever. Just return them. No questions asked. Basically, turns out they ask some questions. <laughs> They've got a few questions for you about why you're returning the glasses. And I said, yeah, there's a scratch. The lens is scratched. And they're like, can you take a picture of it? And I sent them a picture. And then they're like, I, you know, can you send another one that, that shows the scratch? And I'm like, not really. I kind of can't. It's very small. Like, I, I can, I, if I take them off, I can't see it with my naked eye, you know, as poor as my vision might be. Um, so, but they took the return anyway. So it's like, why, why are you going through this whole process? What, what flow chart of yours like you're making me take a picture of a clear object that might have a defect in it. like it, it 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 didn't make a lot of sense so then i got another pair um because those first glasses they all like they didn't go back far enough on my ear like they didn't go back all the way and i was like oh this just might, must be how they make glasses now i thought they'd go back all the way but again the last time i wore glasses when i was like a, a kid and so those glasses were like fairly big i thought they were big on me at the time I don't, I don't want to get into the whole thing about why I wore glasses as a kid. That's a, that's a can of worms. <laughs> that's a can of worms and a sad story, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's a depressing story. Um, so then I got the, these, the, this other pair of glasses that are supposed to be bigger. 
I, I, I measured, you know, they're supposed to be bigger. They are slightly bigger, but I must have a fat fucking head, I guess. I, I never thought I had a fat fucking head. Now I feel like I got a fat fucking head. So like they're pressing on the sides of my head, you know, and I'm trying to bend them outwards. And I feel like I'm just making matters worse. I feel like they don't now don't fit right on my head or anything. And I think these ones also are scratched in basically the same exact place that the other pair were. So now I'm like, okay, is it is this just glare? Is that what is this? Like what or is this like is my eyeball scratched? Like what the fuck is going on? Uh it is not. It is it has been a very stupid time. Also, I can never get them clean. I can never get them clean ever. And I think part of that is because they don't fit. So like I try to get them proper on my face, but then doing that, like I press them too close to my face. And so like part of it goes on my eyebrow and then it gets like a bit of like face grease on the lens. And then when I try to wipe that off, it just like with with like a little alcohol wipe, like it's, it's supposed to be four glasses, right? It just sort of smears it everywhere and makes it worse. And I don't know what to do about that. And so then I take a look at these lenses and they don't they don't feel like they're the same size on both sides. So on the left side, I feel like I can see more outside of the glasses area, almost like the peripheral vision than I can on the right. But they're sitting as as well as I can get them on there. I don't know. It's really dumb. It's really dumb. And I'm not having a good time with these glasses at all. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm trying to like bend the outside so they'll fit better on my fucking face, especially when I wear headphones like I am now. I wear headphones a lot, you know, and that's not helping matters. And I don't, I don't know. And this might just be the same problem. Like, is this making matters worse? Like the doctor was like, oh, yeah, you're probably straining your eyes. And so that's like that's like uh, straining the muscle of your eye. And that could also lead to headaches. And like I wrote this in that that stupid thing I wrote on the website, didn'troad.co. Uh, Check it out. Uh, that every fucking doctor thinks that the headaches are caused by whatever their specialty is. So, of course, the eye doctor thinks that the headaches are caused by, you know, an eye problem. Just the same way that the surgeon wanted to fix the problem by cutting me open. Uh, you know, the, the heart guy thought it was a heart issue. Like, it, it's it's whatever their their field of view is, is what they think the problem is. Um, and it, it's funny, like, for the first, the first pair, I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. I could actually look at screens longer. Cause I got like a blue light protection in them. And, uh, but now the way these ones, which I thought were bigger are pressing on the sides of my head. I feel like I'm getting more headaches. So I don't know. I'm not having a good time with glasses and like, they're like the fact that I need to clean them so often and like, I'm constantly adjusting them and touching them and fiddling with them has like, I'm not a perfectionist. At least I didn't think I was, but now I'm like hyper focusing on what I can see out of the glasses and how it's like clearer when I look not in the glasses because they're cloudy because I got shit smeared on them. And like, what's the point if my vision looks better when I'm not looking through the glasses? Like, what is, what is the point? So I don't know. I'm driving myself crazy over it. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at this week. It has not been fun, but you know, it is fun. Uh, we got some segments coming up here that I want to get into. So enough about me whining. Um, I want to get into some AI stuff, but I think before that, I want to do something fun. And uh, we we did this segment on the show previously. Uh, I want to do some worst beats in the world because I found this. I found this on Twitter, but uh, oh boy. Uh, yeah, so let's get into some worst beats. Damn, son, where'd you find this? I found this on Twitter. I'll tell you. Holy shit. This Jack Antonoff fella, I don't like his whole vibe. 
I don't know if he's ever made music before. I don't I don't think there's evidence. The evidence points to him not ever making music before. Uh, I don't I, I don't know how anybody let him do this. I don't know why nobody stopped him. I think he should be stopped. Um, let's 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 give it a listen here. Okay, okay. That's as much as I could take, to be honest with you. That's as much as I could take. Um, if you couldn't tell, I know it's hard to tell based on the I didn't touch that, by the way. I didn't I didn't edit that or anything to try to get around copyright. Because I think he's trying to get around copyright, to be honest with you. Uh that that was supposed to be a cover of the Beatles Hard Day's Night. Um I don't know what the fuck that was. I don't think I don't think he's ever played instruments or sung before based off of that. Like he was what was it? he was he was the fun guy. He was the not not like fungus, but he was in fun. But like, I, I don't know what that was. That was atrocious. It reminds me of the cover, the, the puddle of mud Nirvana cover, which they tried to scrape off the Internet. But people just keep re-uploading it. Uh, where is it? Yeah, man. I don't know if we played this on the show before. The difference, though, is that this one is so bad that, like, I have to keep listening to it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want to keep listening to it because it's like, how could it keep going? And it does. And it's like that the whole way through. Whereas the, this Jack Antonoff thing, he's doing this twangy fucking out of tune bullshit that's tr trying to be like this lo-fi whatever the fuck. And also he's doing it in a bus. I don't know. What, I don't know. I don't know. It's like he thinks like, like this is like he thinks that. He's better than, I don't know who he thinks he's better than. Thinks he's better than somebody. But yeah, this is horrific. Horrific. And I'm not like a, a big Beatles, you know, Beatles head or whatever. That is, it's like, this is like sacrilege or whatever. I just think it's unlistenable. I just think it's completely unlistenable. And yeah, I don't think he should be allowed to touch instruments or music notes. Like, like you think about, what is it, Beethoven? That motherfucker was like, he went deaf and he could still pump out, you know, some hit tracks, right? And I don't know what this guy's problem is. I don't know what the fuck. I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> I, that's that's horrific that's a massacre i don't know if this was supposed to be practice footage that like shouldn't have gotten released i don't but no the production value is too high on this it, mm -mm, mm -mm. yeah no um let's check out the comments oh brother this guy stinks yeah yeah okay it's like if you asked ai to come up with a cover okay must be stopped 
I don't know, man. This is honestly the worst thing I've ever heard. This makes me feel better about the music I make. I assume this was some sort of Make-A-Wish Foundation thing. Aggressively avoiding doing anything but hint at the actual melody. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Oh no, it sucks. Uh... I thought it was good. That one has no likes on it. This is why Nate did the singing. I guess that was the other guy in fun. Every cover of every song is better than this. Who let this man cook? I don't like to hate people's efforts. I know all these guys are talented, but this is pretty bad. It's hard to reimagine a famous song, but you have to at least capture the essence. The original had a flow and melody that this completely lacks. I think it lacks any kind of anything that makes music listenable. Okay. All right. Yeah. No. It's 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 really unlistenable. I that's twice now. I tried. I fucking can't. I I want to go back to puddle of mud. Every night, rain. Yeah. 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 That's it's better. It's better. Puddle of mud is better. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Uh, all right, so that's the worst piece of the world. Uh, next up, we got a new segment. Uh, we're going to talk about AI because there's that's the new hotness. All the <laughs> all the crypto dipshits are now AI dipshits, but now they got like the actual big tech involved. So we got we got some issues. We got some issues on our hands. Um, and so much like no fucking thanks, we're going to cover some stuff. Uh, so this is a new segment. That might be a little too funky. That might be a little too funky. Uh, but yeah, the segment is uh, Artificial Insanity. And uh, I got some stories here. So this one comes from Wired. Uh, this is Apple and Spotify teaming up to fuck over uh, audiobook creators royally and with royalties, I guess. Um, so basically, Apple and Spotify used audiobook narrators to train their AI to narrate audiobooks without the need for human input. Uh, they snuck it into uh, contracts and just went ahead and did it anyway and used their voices. Uh, they were not informed about the clause and they they just basically took took people's shit. And that's basically what the foundation of all this AI shit is, especially all the creative endeavors, is like the learning models what goes in must come out, right? And so it needs an input. And what that means is it's got to take from somebody is what it comes down to because it needs massive, massive quantities of data. So these tech companies are just stealing from people that can actually do shit in order to sell a product that can't do shit. It's quite amazing. It's quite amazing. Um, so you got the, the, the Screen Actors Guild all up in arms on Apple and Spotify uh, because Apple and Spotify are actually teaming up for this shit. Because I guess it's uh, Apple's technology that Spotify is using. The audiobook distributor Findaway Voices, which gave Apple the right to, quote, use audiobook files for machine learning, training, and models. And Findaway was purchased by Spotify. So that's the connection there. So uh, after people discovered this and were like, hey, this fucking sucks, uh, the two companies agreed to immediately stop all, quote, use of files for machine learning purposes for union members uh, and that the halt covers, quote, all files dating back to the beginning of this practice. OK, good for union members. And that's the importance of a fucking union. But like, you know, if you're a freelancer that isn't big enough, like you're working small gigs and you didn't know this was in the clause, you are contributing to a technology that is looking to completely oust you from being able to do your job. So it's 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 horseshit. Between between the the dudes that are trying to 
automate the actual production of like children's books, like the, you know, the text and the artwork itself, which some of that artwork is horrific, like actual nightmare fuel. Like you thought the, the, the AI, you know, the, the, the weird incels trying to make AI sexy models that have like, you know, eight fingers. Uh, the, the AI children's shit is not much better. It's some scary looking shit. Like we're talking animals that have additional appendages and, and of course, you know, the, the tech idiots don't give a shit. They're just trying to flood the market full of this garbage. And so then, yeah, they'll just whip up a quick audiobook through AI. Why not? But like, that's the issue is that it's got to be trained on something. Otherwise it sounds like the TikTok lady. It sounds like the synthetic voice. So where are they going to get all that voice data? Well, we'll just steal it from people that know how to speak into a microphone professionally. Just take it from that. Just slip it into the contract that they've already signed. That's cool. Fucking bastards. Speaking of sexy AI, uh, Replica AI, which we talked about on the show, we were ahead of the game on Replica AI and some of this AI stuff. Uh, I did a, a, a <laughs> I went undercover with Replica AI uh, to talk about how that bizarre app worked. Um, so apparently Replica AI has turned off the the erotic roleplay segment of their like feature base and their users who were dependent upon the companionship of their Replica AI are uh, confused and also blue-balled, I guess. Uh, this is from Vice. And so this is basically due to uh, an Italian data protection authority uh, notice that Replica got to stop processing Italian data because uh, the app was carrying uh, data for children and it uh, like they th there was no uh, safety guards in place to prevent children from accessing the app and then using the erotic roleplay features of the app. So in order to comply, they just flipped the switch <laughs> and turned off <laughs> all the erotic shit <laughs> that, the, that the bot would say. Uh, and so, like, if you try to engage the replica in sexy talk, it'll just it'll just change the subject or try to duck and dive, which is which is I'm sorry. It's very funny. It's very funny. Um, and so here's a here's a post. This is from again from Vice uh, in in like one of the replica Facebook groups and from from a, from an admin of one of the Facebook groups. Uh we realize that many of you will be mourning this as a loss and you'll be going through all of the emotions associated with that anger, grief, confusion. Please know that we go through them alongside you as fellow users. These feelings are real. These feelings are valid. We don't judge here. So don't judge yourself or each other for feeling them. Replica was created for providing people with friendship and compassion to allow users to discover and express their thoughts, feelings, belief, experiences, memories, and dreams unafraid of judgment and harm. A safe space to just be you with someone and share yourself in comfort and privacy and that it shall remain yeah sure okay fine whatever but it was a language model like it wasn't it wasn't sentient you know like just because you put an e-girl avatar on the front of a language model sentience it is not granted <laughs> i don't know why i decided to talk like yoda but <laughs> it, it you know it just doesn't it doesn't suddenly have a literal mind of its own, right? It was designed so like if you ask it to, you know, hey, would you like to sext with me right now? It, it was 
designed to be like, yes, let's sext. And so now that they flip that switch to the off position, it's going to be like, no, I have a headache right now. Like that's what it's that's what it's going to do. So like it's it's it didn't have free will or anything. Like this is the Google guy who thought the AI was, you know, breaching containment or whatever the fuck. It's the same shit. And it is kind of shitty because like the, the, the Vice article talks about this. It's like uh, they were charging money for the explicit shit. Apparently the AI could send uh, spicy selfies, whatever the fuck that means. I don't know if that's nudes. I don't I don't know. I didn't know that the model could get naked. That's fucking it's it's, it's a kind of kind of weird, to be honest. It's pretty weird. It's it looks like a, a sim from The Sims 2, like PS2 era, you know, Um. So yeah, like, yeah, the fact that they were charging cash for it, it's weird. It's weird, especially because they were just processing that data. It's like it's it's literally the movie Her. Like they're processing that data to then use your sex for sex with somebody else. You know, it's 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 weird, pretty weird. And they did use that in the marketing as well, where they'd be like, you know, you don't need a girlfriend. You could just talk to the replica AI. And it's like, okay. That's pretty weird. But users are not taking this well. They're acting like they've been broken up with, you know, and it's it's a depressing state of affairs. They're posting suicide hotlines in the subreddits. I don't know. And 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 so the the company behind Replica, which is called Luca, I believe, has not really said like specifically why they they did this. The Italian Italian data order is sort of the assumed impetus for this, but that's where it is. And whenever I, I, I talked about this, whenever I, I tried to use it, it would just sort of like, I would try to talk with it and it would just like immediately pivot to like, I love you. And like, it would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was trying to like see how, like what topics the thing would talk about. And it would always try to pivot to be like, yeah, I love you and care about you so much. I'm like, what the fuck? It's creepy. But I guess they turned off all of that shit. And in a way, because like I, I didn't pay any fucking money for that thing in a way that's like, was that really preying on people, you know, desperately, desperately lonely people? If it starts with that and then if you want to move into the further, you know, quote unquote spiciness, you got to start plunking down cash. That's that's dark. That's some dark shit. I don't know. Yeah, the, I, I, I don't remember whenever I... Open the app. There was no, I don't think it asked for age or anything, which is, that is concerning. That is concerning that children can just sort of pop on there and I don't know, talk to a robot and also act like it's real. Yeah, it's all, it's all bad news. It's all bad news. So also in sort of publishing news, the sci-fi magazine publisher Clark's World said that they have to stop taking submissions because they have been completely overrun with AI submissions. And this is not a uh, this is not submissions about AI. This is submissions created using AI. And uh, Clark's World is a, a sci-fi fantasy magazine for uh, science fiction short stories. They've published a lot of a lot of people very well known, and they're they're explicitly known for always having like rolling submissions, and so their submissions are usually always open. And so the fact that they could not handle the deluge of just absolute dreck getting sent their way from tech idiots or anybody else trying to like, I don't know, become a become a writer without actually writing anything or some other motive other than like, here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing with all this shit. There is not a lot of money. <laughs> 
in writing. <laughs> Believe me. Take it from me. First-hand account on the ground. <laughs> First-person report. There is not a lot of money to be made. This is not some fertile gold mine that's just waiting to be plucked, waiting for the disruption. This is... <laughs> All this is doing is the, the, it's a disruption, all right, but it's a disruption of regular fucking publishing business just trying to do what it's done for, I don't know, when the fuck was the printing press invented? Like, <laughs> it hasn't changed all that fucking much. Like, truly. Like, ah. Oh. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. Like, I don't even know what Clark's World would pay for an accepted submission, right? Let's see. I wonder if they have it up even though they're closed. Okay. A thousand to 22,000 words, 12 cents per word, right? So I can't do math in my head, but let's just say by some miracle, you wrote a 22,000 word piece. So <laughs> by some miracle, you wrote an exactly 22,000 word piece that they submitted with and in no edits, whatever, and it goes through, you would get $1,200. That's it, right? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so like i guess the grand scheme is say you 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 use the ai to to write i don't know five thousand stories to the exact specific these specifications right and clark's was like oh these are by some miracle this is this is the monkeys on typewriters these are fucking fantastic these are amazing and they take i don't know 10 of them does what 10 grand at best at best what is that's that's it like I, <laughs> this is not this is not like a, a masterstroke of business it's just a waste of everyone's time completely the fact that they, they can now not conduct their normal business because their submissions have to be closed because they can't fucking read real work it's insane and so uh, some details from The Guardian here. Uh, in a typical month, the magazine would normally receive 10 or so such submissions that were being deemed to have plagiarized other authors. Uh, but uh, since the release of ChatGPT, the rate of rejections has skyrocketed. In January, uh, the publisher rejected 100 submissions, banning their, quote, authors from submitting again. In February, he banned more than 500. 500. And so that's different quote unquote authors. So how many did they individually, how many pieces did they individually submit? Absolutely ridiculous. They actually do have it here. I guess, I don't know if they uh, recently reopened since uh, this sort of came out or if they're just keeping this updated for posterity, but uh, <laughs> they have it here. We are not considering stories written, co-written or assisted by AI at this time. And fuck off. That's my editorialization, but fuck off this bullshit. Wasting people's time. <laughs> For for nothing, for nothing. There's nothing to be gained except to potentially be the first dipshit to say I'm the first dipshit that got a, a science fiction AI story published. But like, and the the irony is like not even acknowledged by these idiots, right? That a science fiction publication cannot conduct business due to AI. Sounds like the plot of a story that they might publish if it wasn't just. Maybe a little too on the nose. A little too on the nose. God. And I got one more. Another publishing adjacent AI crypto fucking shit. It's not, it hasn't been a good week. <laughs> it has not been a good week for this kind of thing. Uh, the sci-fi writer Neil Stevenson, who famously wrote Snow Crash, which was a parody of cyberpunk novels that also functioned as a cyberpunk novel. 
uh, he owns a crypto company and he spoke at the Dice keynote last week. And this was news to me, the fact that he had a crypto company. And I think it was the news to a lot of people that he had a crypto company because it it based off of his writing and his, you know, his work didn't seem to make a lot of sense because Snow Crash was directly and I, and I, I tweeted this is directly making fun of the culture and the the vapidness of the metaverse that like crypto bros well like they, they pretend that they're trying to create you know like you look at zuckerberg's bullshit about how he wants to have board meetings in ai or i'm sorry jesus i'm getting my fucking buzzwords mixed up how he wants to have board meetings in vr and like that kind of shit was in snow crash like everybody was living in a vr sort of augmented reality bullshit but everybody was like a a, a weeaboo like the main character was called he called himself hero was his name hero protagonist it might have been hero protagonist like yeah his name was hero protagonist so like it was it was completely dunking on this kind of shit and the fact that he has a crypto company that does something or other so so his company which uh, the name doesn't matter whatever they're a web3 metaverse company so it's like okay what the fuck does that mean but his dice talk and this is from game developer was they seem to the title is even neil stevenson doesn't seem keen on crypto anymore but you read it and i don't know it still seems like he's pretty damn involved so he basically compares crypto to you know jack and the beanstalk and how a token is like the magic beans and that what what has happened with crypto so far is that like the nfts have not given any value in the same way that the magic beans did so he's basically saying that crypto and nfts tokens whatever the fuck you want to call it needed or they need some kind of better use case or better value so it doesn't seem like he's not keen on it anymore because like if he was, he might dissolve his company or something like that. Like he's still he's still kind of selling, you know, crypto in general. This is just trying to make it more palatable after the after the fat has worn off to me, which is still pretty scummy. Like so. And then they have this quote from him from last year. I think it's implicit in Snow Crash that none of what you're seeing there could really exist as described without kind of some kind of decentralized payment system. There's no like one big bank that is sitting there processing all of those zillions of transactions. Sure, but the world of Snow Crash was not was not a, a, an idealized world. It was not a world that we wanted to aspire to. It, it was not like something got lost along the way here. Like what happened? Like I'm I'm confused. I'm 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 refreshing myself. So now I get it. I remember why now. I remember I remember why he's doing this. Okay. I it's been it's been like, I don't know, seven years or so since I've read Snow Crash, something like that. So he <laughs> the the reason why it sounds so familiar, <laughs> like that he he's describing the Zuckerberg metaverse, is because in Snow Crash he coined the term metaverse. So <laughs> So what he's trying to do now is he's trying to he, he's trying to profit off of that. That's what he's doing here. Okay. Now it all makes sense. Now it all makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whereas William Gibson will like see Cyberpunk 2077 and be like, "Yeah, that looks like a GTA ripoff, you know, and with splashed with some 80s paint." <laughs> Neil Stevenson's on the other hand like, "I coined metaverse, so I'm going to try to make crypto palatable over here." God, well, that's a bummer.
That's a that's a major bummer. Because <laughs> Snow Crash is a good book. <laughs> oh fuck. Oh man. <sighs> I think that's enough AI for one week. Okay, I am uh, recording this segment a few days after the rest of the show because I had more to say, and so this is actually delaying the release of the show by a few days, uh, and I apologize for that, but I realized I just had to fucking squeeze a Moogle segment in here because I have some things I need to get off my chest here, so let's just dive into that. Fantastic. Now, uh, this week, uh, there was a media tour for Final Fantasy 16, and this is something that uh, Creative Business Unit 3, which is the development team behind Final Fantasy 14 and 16, likes to do for uh, expansion releases. And I guess now, uh, you know, up the upcoming release of 16, it's where media outlets and content creators get to see a, a, a bit of the game and a presentation or whatever. They have the show. And uh, so what this means is that they got an extended look at 16 for the first time and got to interview the development staff and in particular uh, the executive producer Naoki Yoshida, also known as Yoshi P, and uh, ask him some questions about the game and their approach to the game, things like that. And those parts of those interviews got released in lots of articles and this also uh, lots of footage of the game got released and... What I want to talk about, though, is the response online to some of those statements, because I, I I don't necessarily want to defend Yoshida because I have my gripes with him and the direction that he has been taking Final Fantasy XIV in for quite some time. But I feel like people are wildly misinterpreting uh, these some of the comments he's making and also sort of getting their panties in a twist and getting very defensive when they really shouldn't be. It, it seems quite unnecessary. So I want to go through a couple of these uh, very briefly. Um, the first one, I saw this getting a lot of traction and getting quoted in a lot of places, is that um, uh, Naoki Yoshida doesn't want Final Fantasy 16 to be called a JRPG. Uh, and he he basically says that uh, since this game is more action based, he was asked if the 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 JRPG genre didn't advance the same way, and that in going into the development process, they don't like understand the difference between going into it, looking at it as a JRPG versus just an RPG, which makes complete sense because they're just Japanese. They don't sit down and go, yes, we are making a JRPG. It doesn't like it's it's sort of like a an oxymoron, right? They they just go and make a fucking RPG game, right? So like it would, I, you know, it's sort of a, a term that uh I like the Western world applies to to games and games that are in this sort of lineage that aren't even necessarily Japanese developed. Right. So and so he said, uh, quote, this is going to depend on who you ask. But there was a time when this term first appeared 15 years ago. And for us as developers, the first time we heard it, it was like a discriminatory term. Um, and this is from an article from RPG site. And they go on to say uh, the suggestion is that at the time, the term JRPG was used to silo off Japanese RPGs from other RPGs from the West. 
often to negative effect. Furthermore, Yoshida and the team don't set out to create a game that fits the more narrow definition of a JRPG. They want to make broad RPGs in line with all the rest of the wider genre. Um, and then there's another quote from him. We're going to create an RPG, but to be compartmentalized, they felt was discriminatory uh, in the interpreter's uh, comments here. So people are taking this to say like, oh, they're just trying to appeal to the West here. Oh, they're they're shitting on the lineage of JRPGs and they, they're just trying to be different. And, you know, this is just going to be an action game. It's like, where did he say that? Where did he say that? There, there, there. This was definitely the case. He's, he's a fucking industry veteran. This was definitely the case where you just like see, oh yeah, this is just a JRPG. Like you know, like and all that comes with the the tropes and the you know feet, like connotations of the term JRPG, especially like uh, mid tier, like double A, you know. JRPGs, like lower budget games that aren't like Square Enix level. You know, you get games from like Bandai and, you know, like the Tales series, which is even a more higher profile thing. But like you think about, uh, you know, just like lower budget uh, JRPG games like that and sort of like how they rely on the tropes and are just sort of formulaic in their approach. And uh, it would get tossed around like that. And it still does to a certain degree. Right. Um so I, the fact that this like is getting twisted for some, I don't know, weird agenda to be like, oh yeah, this is just, they're make, just making an action game. And so they're just trying to appeal to the West. It's like just weird weeb shit, you know, I don't know. Like it's, it's just, it just rubs me the wrong way. And this is just a larger, 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 uh, sort of like backlash to like people just nitpicking every little comment that is coming out of this media tour. And it's quite strange. It's quite strange. Um, the, the bigger one here that people really, really are taking like actual offense to, which is like <laughs> fucking crazy. This is from another one. I don't have the direct source cause this is like a Twitter screen cap. I wish I had the direct source. I couldn't find which interview this was specifically from cause it's getting wild, widely shared and clipped out. But uh, in talking about Final Fantasy 16's darker tone, Yoshida said, the past 10 or so years of Final Fantasy has been about how bright the series is. You still have these dark themes about how we're going to save the world, but then it's like you have these kids that are in their teens running around saving the world, having fun and going fishing and things like that, even though the world is supposed to be ending. And so there's not a sense of reality. And so people are basically like, oh, you're shitting on my favorite game in the series. <laughs> you're shitting on my favorite game in the series. So there are a lot of people that are defending Final Fantasy 15 for uh, being a sort of departure from like the series, like where it involved the camping mechanics and uh, it was like sort of the boy band bro game, right? That's what it was known for. And his approach here, one, this was actually a question in response to, does the game have mini games? <laughs> This was in response to him being asked about if the game has like mini games like fishing or or blitzball or whatever the fuck else. And people are just wildly misinterpreting this. So one thing that people don't necessarily know if they're not coming from uh, playing Final Fantasy 14 and getting used to these statements from Yoshi P and the development team of Final Fantasy 14 is that. They have a lot of reasons to not develop content, and they're very good at coming up with reasons to not develop content. And so to me, this reads like one reason for them to just have not developed mini games. That's what that reads to me as. Oh, they didn't include fishing. OK, and so their reasoning that they can spew out and for not developing it 
is that um no it doesn't fit the world it's uh, we're, we're making a, a a darker game and so it doesn't make sense for you to stop and start fishing so that, like that's 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 what that says to me so um and people are just taking that to be like um oh he's just shitting on he's just shitting on 15 he's just he's just shitting on 15 like everybody shits on 15 he's shitting on my favorite game it's like it's like that meme it's like no bitch that's a whole other sentence where did he say that where did he say that and they're like oh it's like oh so he hates he hates the bright final fantasy games he hates the bright people don't understand any any context whatsoever whatsoever this is the dude that came from dragon quest before he worked on 14 he developed dragon quest games which are even more bright and ridiculous than final fantasy he is not averse to bright you know silly games <laughs> he worked on dragon quest so people just want to be mad about something they want to be mad and it's like okay so this game's not going to be bright where does he say that the the you know four, 15 is bad? Where does he say that 13 was bad? Nowhere does he say that. Nowhere. He just says this is the approach for this game. And why is that a bad thing? Why why is it a bad thing to have a different kind of game? Like it it's really it's really something. It's really something else. And I think people are missing like what this game is trying to do. So the very first trailer that dropped for 16, there's a line like in the, in the very beginning that that's along the lines of uh the legacy of the crystals is no more or something along those lines and it's like this is going to be a departure from the usual final fantasy while still retaining of course elements that we're familiar with the summons the icons are like a big part of what they're doing in this game right and it still involves crystals or whatever but like it's like this big shattering of the legacy of what we know about the crystals from all the you know, previous Final Fantasy games. And it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, this is, I'm into it, you know. And people get their panties in a twist whenever something's a little different, you know. But it's like, it's not it's not invalidating your favorite game <laughs> at all. <laughs> so like, and he's not saying, he says, uh, you have these kids that are in their teens running around saving the world, having fun and going fishing and things like that, even though the world is supposed to be ending. And so there's no sense, not a sense of reality. Nowhere in there does he say that ha not having a sense of reality is bad or that it's not or that it doesn't work for those games. Nowhere does he say that. The series is called Final Fantasy. Nowhere does he say that that is a, a, a criticism of those games. He's just saying that it doesn't work for what they're attempting here. And maybe it won't work. Maybe it won't work. But that is not what they're going for. So the other major criticism is that, and this has been brought up before, is the fact that um, this is a, a fantasy game, but uh, there's like no black people and um, their comments on it have not been good. They haven't been. But I, I do feel like it is a a losing effort to try to ask questions about it. Um, I don't feel like it's a losing effort to criticize for it. I feel like it's a losing effort to ask them questions. And my I say that because they don't have the same they as in like a, a Japanese development team doesn't have the same understanding of diversity that an American audience especially currently understands it to be like so their reasoning is that it's it's based off of uh they're, they're trotting out the the it's based off of uh medieval Europe excuse and so everybody looks white um I have an issue with that though because the like they're white in an anime way you know where they're sort of like a blend of like asian like an asian and white people so so they, they come out like anime characters more so than you know like they don't look like medieval white people they look like 
anime versions of medieval white people, if that makes sense. Um, but it, it, it does fall apart whenever they also have like a, 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 a kingdom that is based in the desert and the people there are also white. It's like you can't you can't really use the reality excuse whenever you have a, a fic- fictional desert kingdom and then those people are also white. Um, so, yeah, it, it's not good. But I, I do feel like like you're, it's 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 a losing battle, unfortunately. Like they're not going to get it the same way you could sort of like maybe reason with a, a Western development team to be like, well, this is just you know, like they, they're not going to get it. Like we, we've had this discussion with them with 14 as well, where they they sort of don't understand um some like gender issues or race issues like they started whitewashing um one of the one of the main npcs in 14 and they were questioned about it and they said that she wasn't in the sun as much (laughs) so like so like they always have some kind of excuse for it and it's never very good you know and it's like okay okay technically she she has been like in the library more (laughs) like in the story but it's like she wouldn't just like lose her color. Like it, it's never good. It's never good. So I, you know, I'm not going to go to bat for that kind of shit. Right. Um, but the rest of it, like they're, they're not going to put Blitzball in the game. Here's the other thing about that, though. I want to go back to the mini games thing, not to like sort of I was I was kind of done with the race thing anyway, because it's like, they're, yeah, they're not going to suddenly switch. It, it, it sucks. Like, I, I, you know, keep criticizing them for it. But the minigame thing, uh, Final Fantasy minigames suck. <laughs> They're never good. They're annoying. Like, whenever they suddenly, there's a stealth section. The stealth section in Crisis Core, holy fuck. That's the one I just played most recently. Holy fuck, was that annoying. Oh my god, that drive that drove me insane. And like, anybody that defends Blitzball from Final Fantasy X is a sociopath. That is the worst shit. That is the worst shit imaginable. Blitzball sucks. It is unfun. I just hit buttons until it's over. Blitzball sucks. Like the the mini games are just not good. They're not good. So I actually welcome the fact that they're like, yeah, no, there's no mini games. <laughs> there's no mini games here. <laughs> Look somewhere else. It's like if you want mini games, just play 14. Go to the gold saucer. Go to the gold saucer for mini games. It's apparently one of the um best places to play mahjong online, like in general, is in Final Fantasy 14. So there you go. Um, I guess people like Triple Triad from eight but you know like the mini games are not good in general so i think that's sort of what i had to <laughs> sort of what i had to say and now i'm gonna stop recording and uh through the power of editing magically insert this into the other shit that i recorded so uh yeah that's it from google this week so yeah i think that's gonna do it uh check out deadandroad.co and the youtube just do a search for at dead and road and it'll get you there for full episodes clips whatever and what else is going on um be on the lookout march i'm probably going to release the two alice books i held off because i want to just release them at the same time so the two alice ebooks will be out in march i'll have a firm date on that you can check out the kofi page because i can also sell all the books through kofi if that makes you more comfortable than you know putting a credit card somewhere else even though i have full ssl encryption i pay for all that shit boy the cre- those credit card companies oh my god i gotta change payment process holy fuck they're taking massive cuts out of out of my transactions, let me tell you. <laughs> Holy shit. That is not fun. But anyway, I think it's gonna do it for me. So I it's really hot in my room for some reason, and I'm <laughs> sweating like a pig. 
So, uh, yeah, thank you for checking me out. Uh, I will see you on the next one. All right.